our lesson tonight comes from the book of Hosea, looking at the idea of returning to God, meaning looking at repentance and God's uh, desire to bring us back to Him. And our lesson is really going to be focused on a few verses from chapter 6 and also from chapter uh, 14. And I want to show what we can learn about repentance from the events we find in Hosea's time. What does repentance require of man? If you remember when John the Baptizer was baptizing people by the river Jordan, the Pharisees and others came to him and he told them to, uh, during his discourse with them, he told them to repent and bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. Fruits worthy repentance. That means they were to show by their actions and by their change of heart that they were going to come to God. Fruits worthy of repentance. How does God respond to man's repentance? We're not talking about man's so-called repentance or man's just simply uh, sometimes offering up empty words to God. But when man comes to God, Truly, as David would say, with a broken and contrite spirit, bringing repentance and godly sorrow, that God responds in a certain way. And so we'll be looking at both of those ideas this evening as we go through this, beginning with first the desire to return. There must be a desire to return to God. Repentance means that you have strayed from the faith. The reason God, we find here in Hosea's time, was calling out Israel and desiring for them to repent is because they have strayed from him. Idolatry was running rampant. He says they were sinning more and more, it seemed, almost every day. And he was desiring for them to return. We're going to return to God. We must first have that desire. One must desire to return as you find Hosea chapter 6 and verse 1. He says, Come, let us return to the Lord. That shows desire. You don't accidentally come to God. You do so on purpose. You do so with a determined effort. The desire to come back to God is key to repentance. You know, people can talk to you and encourage you, and you may come forward and offer up words that really in your mind have no meaning because your heart is not in it. That's not repentance. Being persuaded and pushed by your parents or by your family and offering up words that you do not believe in is not repentance. Repentance must come out of the desire of one's own heart to come back to God. Notice coming back to God. That word return there means they have left and they're wanting to return to the Lord, return to where they once were. We also know that God desires the sinner to come back to him. We look at Hosea chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. He says, O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. He wants them to come back. We find in chapter 6 they were wanting to come back, but there were things that were going to have to stop, things that were going to have to change. And it's going to require a desire. The people we know, as we find in chapter 13, would confess that only God saves. They would confess that we finally get to the point where they say only God is the one who can save us now. In Hosea 13, looking at verses 9, and 9 through 11, the Bible says, O Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. This being the Lord speaking. 
I will be your king. Where is any other that he may save you in all your cities? He's asking the question, who can go out to all your cities and save you? That's a rhetorical question. The answer is no one. And your judges to whom you said, give me a king and princes. I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. He gave them what they wanted. And they, what, what, what happened? Well, they still weren't happy. We know they would people, as we find the Bible says, they went after their own ways. They turned and went after and did what they pleased in their own mind, in their own heart. And what happened? They transgressed against God as a result of it. They wanted something. They got what they asked for. What happened? Nothing changed. It only grew more and more sinful. And we know, as we find here, that no doubt God knew this was going to be the case. We find in Hosea 14 that they would confess that no one can save them but God. Looking at the latter part of verse 2, as we saw the first part a moment ago, in Hosea 14, verse 2, looking at verse 3, he says, Say to him, Take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifice, sacrifices of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands, You are our gods. For in you the fatherless finds mercy. What are they talking about? Giving up all those things they used to put their hope in. You know, you go back and look at history, and look at culture during that time period, Romans included, they took a lot of stock and put a lot of pride in their weapons and in their horses and their armor. Men were, would love their sword almost like they would love their spouse. They had great hope in those things. But those things did not deliver them in the day of judgment. And that's what we find here in verses 2 and 3. And they say, Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on our horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands. You are our gods. They're saying we're going to turn away from idolatry. We're not going to trust in men. We're not going to trust in our horses or in our weapons of war. Instead, they would say in verse 3, For you, for in you the fatherless finds mercy. He is the only hope for them. But they had to have this desire, this deep desire to return to God. Next, we want to notice how forgiveness is described. First, we begin by looking at God's healing. As we look at Hosea 14, verse 4, we find here to heal means He will restore them and bring them back. He says, I will, heal, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from him. From who? We find at this point those who are now turning back to God. Many times for Israel, they would fall into sin, come back to God, and you would hope that they would stay there. That they would come back to God and they would stay. But throughout the process of time, that's not how it worked out. So many of them would begin go back into idolatry. They go back <clears throat> into numerous different types of sin throughout, the, throughout history of the Old Testament. We find that uh, being the case. And we find here in verse 4, he says, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from him. You notice his anger is only turned away in this context. We find it's only turned away because of their desire to come back to him. If they weren't going to come back to God, the anger would not have turned away. It would have remained instead. Those who return will be restored, strengthened, and revived as you look at verse 5 and following. He says, I'll be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. 
His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree, and his, and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the, like, like the wine of Lebanon. All showing what? A restoration, a strengthening, and a uh, revival here. We find all these things coming back to life. Growing like the lily, lengthening their roots like Lebanon. Their branches spreading wide. Their, uh, he says here, his beauty shall be like an olive tree. His fragrance like Lebanon. All these things showing what? A revival, a restoration, and a strengthening. All because of them coming back to God and God accepting their repentance. But as you think about these things and see what God offers to them, how God will do these things, how He will strengthen them when they come back. Notice next, we'll notice what will the forgiven say? What will those who are forgiven say? Look at Hosea 14 and verse 8. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard and observed him. I'm like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. We find here in verse 8, in verse eight first, Ephraim is saying, What should we do with idols anymore? They'll have nothing to do with them. Those who return will confess idols held no hold on them any longer. And next we find here really the latter part of verse 8 is really God's reaction to them saying, We hold those idols no more. The Lord's reaction is what? Well, he has heard him. It is the Lord that answers prayers. He says, I have observed him. It is the Lord that watches over Israel and over all of us. He says here up next, we find he says, Your fruit is found in me. All wonderful blessings come from the Lord. That's the Lord's reaction. He answers their prayers. He watches over Israel. As he says there, he has observed them. Your fruit is found in me. It means all their blessings will come from the Lord as they have not been blessed by following worthless idols. The Lord's reaction is he hears, he watches over them, and they have, again have blessings restored to, restored to them from God. That's what the forgiven receive. Because the forgiven are those who turn away from sins. We see there in verse 8. And then we find some advice given, really some uh, that's how I look at it, as advice given. In the very next verse, in verse 9, here the Bible says, Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them. But transgressors stumble in them. What does that mean? It means that those who want to do sinful things, those who want to live like the world, they're, going, they're never going to be right in the sight of God. Thus he says they stumble in them, but the righteous walk in them. They walk in what? The ways of the Lord that are right. And all the ways of the Lord are right. The just will recognize the Lord's way is right, and he will follow them. He will walk in them, but the wicked will fall because they do not know the Lord. That's why they fall. And because you might say because of their refusal to know the Lord. You can think about that first question there in verse 9. Who is wise? Who, next he says, who is prudent? The person who is wise and prudent will understand what the Lord is saying here. That if you are righteous, you will walk in His ways. There are a lot of people today who claim to be righteous people, right? 
There's a lot of people today who claim to be a Christian, but only those who follow the ways of the Lord are those who are actually Christians. Those who are actually following His ways can name the name of Christ, as we say sometimes. The righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. We ought not to call ourselves Christians if we're not living like one. Some lessons for us today. God will pull sinners back from the dark if they desire to be brought back. You know, we have to think about that sometimes. We, we, we tell people that, that, re, that forgiveness is offered, that forgiveness is available, but what's sad so many times by people's words, even by their, by their actions and by their words, they say they don't want to be brought back to God. They look at, look at God as if He has nothing to offer. They look at the Christian lifestyle as one that's not appealing to them because it's not entertaining enough for them. It's not exciting enough for them. There'll be a lot of excitement on the day of judgment for a lot of people, but it won't be the kind they want. We want to be those who come to God desiring to be, right, to be made right in His sight and allowing Him by His forgiveness to pull us back from the darkness that is sin. God will save them by their repentance and by His forgiveness. Hosea 12 and verse 6 says, So you, by the hope, by the help rather, of your God, return, observe mercy and justice, and wait on your God continually. What does that mean, to wait on the Lord continually? It means you follow Him every day. We follow Him continually. Sometimes people read about this verse and say, Well, wait on the Lord, okay, what do we do? We pray and we just wait. That's not what he's talking about. It means we follow God continually. We live for Him continually. We listen to His words continually. We study to, to grow closer to Him continually. Those who desire repentance must determine to follow God continually. If we want to have heaven as our home, we have to be willing to do what's necessary. And I think sometimes we have to ask individuals really a very honest question, and that is, how badly do you want to go to heaven? How badly do you want to go to a place that God, Christ, and all the faithful dwell? How badly do you want to go there? Because it seems sometimes that there are those who just don't want to go bad enough, and they'll never make it for that reason. God is the only source of hope for the sinner. He is the only source of hope for each and every one of us. There's no way we can get to heaven doing things our own way. We can follow the pattern of our parents, which if it's based on the Word of God, it's good, but if it's not, we need, we need to be aware of that. And there's nothing wrong with breaking a tradition that's going to lead you down a path that is not going to end up in heaven. Some traditions deserve to be brought to a screeching halt. Hosea chapter 13, looking at verse 9, he says, O Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. Why is Israel destroyed? Why are they failing? Because they're trying to do things their own way. And they're, what happens? He says they're destroyed, which means they're basically they're falling apart by trying to do things their own way. We look at our nation around us, we look at the world, we find nations, including our own, trying to do things their own way. What happens? We're failing over and over again because we're not going back to where the true source of hope is, which is God and His Word. Oh, Israel, 
you are destroyed. Notice how he doesn't, he mentions them as an entire nation. He doesn't say, oh, you sinners, or you wicked. He says, oh, Israel, which gets everybody. He says, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. Does God offer help, or let me put it this way, does God give help to those who do not ask for it? No. If you want help from God, you have to ask for it. And we do that through obedience and, and repentance, which we find go hand in hand. You cannot obey without repentance. Those who desire forgiveness must recognize that mercy and justice can only be found in God. God grants pardon and no one else. No one else can save us from eternal damnation. Which brings us really to our final question to consider. And that is, do you desire to be right in the sight of God? We have to ask ourselves that honestly. Because we know that every day we make mistakes. We may be some that we think, well, they're not that big of a deal, but they're still mistakes. And there may be some that we feel like they're so colossal, there's no way that God will accept us. The Bible is very, is very clear that God will accept all those who come to Him in obedient trust, which includes repentance of our sins. We find in Hosea that God is begging those individuals to come back to Him the whole time willing and ready to punish them if they weren't going to do so. They could come back, come back, but no, if you don't, I'm coming after you. That's the message, because God was going to. As we saw already in Hosea 13 and verse 9, they were destroyed. They were failing because they were trying to do things their own way. You know, it's very tempting when you're in the middle of, of something or you're trying to do maybe start a project of any type, whether it be physical in nature or spiritual in nature, to try to do things their own way. You say, we're going to do it this way. We're going to, this is how we're going to handle it. And we don't include God in our plans. If God is not a part of our plan, if He's not a part of our lives each and every day, then whatever plan we make deserves to completely and utterly fail. Because God must be a part of every plan that we make. He must be a part of every aspect of our lives. If sin, if sin is in our lives, the Bible reveals what must be done. It is very clear Every person can have heaven as their home, but not every person will choose to do so. If sin is in our lives, the Bible tells us what we must do, but we have to be willing to do it. As we saw back in Hosea chapter 6, verse 1, and Hosea 14, the desire must be there. Repentance doesn't happen by accident, and forgiveness doesn't come without repentance. We must first do our part, and then God will do His. Which brings us to our final question. Are you ready to do what God requires? This applies to the non-Christian and to the Christian because we all have to deal with sin and the possibility of sin each and every day. Some may say, well, some may look at us and say, well, that's a small thing. It doesn't matter if we think it's small, we think it's gigantic. We have to deal with it. And we have to be willing to be those who come to God 
and ask God to forgive us of those things. And we find Hosea's time period with God and with the people of Israel. God wanted them to return. But if they were not willing, God was perfectly ready to begin punishment. We have seen it all throughout Scripture that where, where the wickedness abounds, punishment is waiting for them. You go back and you look at the time period of the flood. They had all that time period prior to, to Noah building the ark, all the time he built the ark, to listen to the words of Noah. The Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness, yet they didn't listen. And what happened? Perhaps millions died. The time of the, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, all that time they had to listen. Messengers literally being sent from God. Time to turn back. Those who could have repented of their ways and possibly even escaped with Lot, but they didn't because they wouldn't listen. And what happened, the Bible tells us, they burned and they were destroyed. All those who would try to pursue the people of Israel across the Red Sea, the armies of Pharaoh, died in the sea. What's interesting is that the Bible tells us that Israel was on the shore watching, their, watching the destruction of Pharaoh. And what's really sad, it wasn't that much longer after that period that Israel began the roller coaster of faithfulness and unfaithfulness that would last, we might say, throughout Old Testament history. And we know that because here we are in Hosea's time, they're still struggling to remain faithful to God. Some of the same people of that nation who could tell you by generations passed down about the events of the Red Sea, about the events that happened in Egypt with the ten plagues, and yet here we are, these are the same group of people, at least their generations perhaps passing down all those things. And what happens? They're still struggling. And they still had to come back to God. Nothing had changed. Sin had the same price, and it had the same cure. When we think about these things, we must ask ourselves, do we have the desire to make ourselves right with God? We may not necessarily have to come forward as we talk about it sometimes, but we better go to God. We better ask and go before God and make sure that we are right in His sight. And we better, if we feel like we need to, ask others to pray for us as we try to be a faithful Christian. Because, friends, if we fail there, we'll never reach the heavenly home. This evening, as you think about these things, we can help you or encourage you in any way. You can come forward now. Let's go. We stand and sing the song that's been selected.